This week on The Pour Over, Jill and Joe continue their discussion of the critically acclaimed HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Today we're talking episode two, Please Remain Calm. This episode feels bad, man. It's poured all over. What up, listeners? Welcome to The Pour Over Podcast. Uh, for the first time listeners of the show, we're The Pour Over Podcast, hosted by myself, Dill and Joe. Each week, we bring you our thoughts on a certain episode of a TV show, and most importantly, chit-chat about the very things so many of us depend on each morning, coffee. For those of you who have stuck around, welcome back. We're excited to dive into this new discussion and share our coffee experiences this week. So let's hope we actually keep up with our coffee resolutions. Um, yes. Spoiler alert, I, I haven't, but you know, <laughs> we, we get into that. Uh, yeah, but we before will. we get we'll into Chernobyl, let's, let's, let's catch up with the poor over boys. What's up, man? What's up? What's up, man? Um, yeah, so yeah, let me hear about that uh, that failed resolution. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess I technically haven't had the chance to yet because mm-hmm. I, I think technically my resolution was to try other roasters, expand my my palate or whatever yeah. you would call my inventory. Um, and I'm still roast or I'm still brewing the Amaya roasting company. Oh yeah. So I guess I technically haven't had the chance yet. Um, I, I know we had talked about that coffee journal though, mm-hmm. and I haven't even done um, it once. To I'm be right honest. there with you, man. So <laughs> I have not, I, I, it's literally in the same spot that I said it was in last week. Oh yeah, I don't even know where mine is. So it's <laughs> mine is still in the same spot too. Yeah, it's just an unknown location. Mm, might as well call it lost. Hey. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, we we doing a little bit different format for our coffee talk. Uh, so you know, starting off by like, what are we brewing in our cups? Mm. And like I already said, I'm I'm still brewing the Maya Roasting Company. Uh, from Houston, and yeah, it's pretty good. I, I think I'll run out pretty soon, so I'll, I'll have to decide what to do next. But for the time being, still pretty satisfied with that. Uh, what, yeah. what have you been brewing? Uh, so lately I've been brewing um, a roaster, I think out of Delaware. It's uh, called Brandywine uh, Coffee mm-hmm. Roasters. That's the that's the company. And um, the bean that they they that I bought is, uh, is a Guatemala bean called La Folie. La, f- mm. la folet, Ooh. Uh, la fish folet. I hey. don't know. Uh, la folie. Um, it's it's uh, it's really good. I like it a lot. Uh, I put a link in the show notes for for Dill. Uh, but essentially, it's a it's a very fruity kind of. Um, I must say, very like fruity kind of sweet coffee. Uh, very kind of acidic and like juicy. Definitely not mm. um, very like roasty caramelly like very kind of um i think the no- taste notes are white grape um uh white grape gummy actually i think oh yeah very specific um and uh also ooh, what was it there was a there's just like some different fruit fruit notes on there okay. so um pretty good yeah Nice. Does it taste like gummy candy then? Uh, I couldn't really pin pin it on that. Um, mm. I'm trying to think of what the other flavor was that I felt like. Oh, I was like, oh, yeah, that tastes like that. Yeah, gummy. That's interesting. I don't know if I've seen that before. At least on on the taste notes that I've I've on on the beans that I've bought. But that's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like that. It makes sense though. Like if if in terms of different 
flavors. I think gummy candy has a certain certain taste that's different from just like normal fruity stuff. So it makes sense. Right. Like, I guess it would just be more sweet, like almost kind of like an artificial sweetness and artificial like um, fruitiness to it. Um, yeah. When I look at the the Mistobox page, which actually this was on Mistobox, mm. I guess they okay. uh, were yeah, curating it. And I'll put that in the show notes, too. Uh, they said, yeah, white grape, caramel, mm. and delicate. Ah, interesting. <laughs> delicate. Hmm. Yeah, wondering about caramel and fruit and grape, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would put that together naturally, but, you know, in the right. coffee, hopefully it works out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess, like, some of the sweetness, some of, like, the very sugariness and kind of mm. that might come from the caramel. And then, yeah, like yeah. the white grape, I definitely get kind of that, that little, little pucker, that little kind of uh, acidity. Mm. You know, especially when you think about the grapes, like the the green grapes that have like the mm. the skin is like a little yeah. more sour. That's I think that's what I'm tasting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 You, you you like that? So, I'm not actually a huge fan of it, but um, it's it's unique for sure. Okay. Um, I had a friend taste it recently and she was um mm. she was uh saying that it's like very complex very different okay yeah all right yeah yeah complex delicate i like these adjectives <laughs> yeah nice yeah so part two of our question you know part one we asked him what we're brewing in our cups part two we're seeing what we've been brewing in our minds mm. um so yeah what our coffee thoughts over? of late you know so what have been your coffee thoughts yeah, so my coffee thought this week is a very literal coffee thought, which is mm. when you get a French press at a at a, um, at a shop or something, do you wait until the timer goes off to press your French press or do you press mm. it before? Like, are you a little impatient and just want to kind of press it and just get, get that coffee in your body or do you just pr- mm. do you press it when it tells you when to press it? Uh, so I haven't really ordered it too many times i think the couple of times that i have though like the barista presses it for me oh yeah interesting like they'll either just keep it until it's done you know and then press it and then bring it over or you know like or i've had it like at a restaurant before so not a coffee shop Mm -hmm. but they'll bring it put it on the table come back in a couple minutes and then press it for me so uh, maybe I'm spoiled, but um, that's that's been my only experience. I also don't really order um, a press pot or like French press too mm-hmm. often. But yeah, mm. what about you? Did, did, did this come up because you're ordering it? I did, yeah. I think um, it comes up for me because I'm very tempted to like let it sit a little bit longer. Like yeah. it might go off and like I might wait like another minute or so because I don't know. I think like the flavor kind of extracts more. Um, of course, then you kind of run into the problem of it becoming overextracted and getting kind of bitter. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's kind of like a, a kind of an existential question in some ways because it's like, are you the type of person that likes to um, do things timely? Do you like to, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, wait it out a little longer, or are you kind of impatient? And you just kind of want to, you know it's it's look it's kind of tempting to have the 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 pot of coffee there and like you know your friend might have their cup all out already too and they're you know they're already drinking that latte and you're like "Mm, gotta wait 
like five minutes on this yeah. timer. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't know, just a random thought I had. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's real. That's real. What about you, man? Yeah. For me, so I've been thinking, you know, so... Yeah, I, I was rock climbing this week. You know, I I, I I talked about rock climbing last week. I don't want to be that guy that just talks about rock climbing all the time. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try not to talk about it next week. Mm. Um, but, you know, the way my rock climbing gym is set up, well, all of them are generally like this too, I think. You know, they have different levels of difficulty. Mm. And for the bouldering section at my gym, they, they all the holds, like the color of one hold is representative of a certain level. Mm-hmm. You know, so it goes like white is the easiest, yellow is next, green, etc. So like all the holds that are green are like that level, right? Yeah. And so you know, I was I was climbing um, last week, and w- this this one guy who is his first time climbing, and then he's out here doing like greens. He was <laughs> attempting like red, which is next up from oh, green, wow. and like he would have got it if we like if we didn't move, uh-huh. you know. And so I was just thinking like, man do like limitations that we think we have like are they just like self-imposed on our Mm. own from our own mind because i've other people told me before you know at the gym they're like you know if we were all like colorblind quote unquote like we couldn't see what color the routes were Mm -hmm. maybe we'd be better because we we wouldn't be like oh we see that really hard color like i'm not even gonna try Mm. kind of thing but like if we just try then maybe we get it right right which, you know, yeah, the guy I was climbing with, he's just like, yeah, I really want to do this one. And in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, it's not really like a beginner route. But then he ended <laughs> up doing it. He just kept trying until he got it. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. so and I was just like, okay, okay. I respect that. So, yeah, I was just like, man, what, what kind of like limitations or things like I just can't do that? You know, mm. is that real, though? Or is that just kind of right. we think we can't for whatever reason? So, yeah, mm. I was just kind of thinking about that. Maybe it's also a question of like... um. You know, like the idea of like, if something's too hard, like don't try it all. Like, mm. you know, maybe if those colors weren't on there, you wouldn't even know if it's too hard for you. Mm. Does that make sense? Because like, you only believe it's too hard for you because you've been doing greens, but you weren't able to ever do reds. Yeah. So yeah. just because they put a red color there, that's like a visual sign for you to like not try it or like mm. feel like you're on a, on a certain level until you can try it. Yeah. Yeah. So then, then you, you don't even have any data because you haven't right. tried it. Like you don't actually know. Right. Yeah. Like it could so. be, it, you know, it could either be like an easy red that you could do, mm-hmm. or it could actually be something you could do. And it's, yeah. you know, I, I don't. I guess it's the person who first made that route that determined, like, oh yeah, this is a red route. You know, mm-hmm. or like this is a green route. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe we just gotta go out and try things, you know. Mm. And it's okay, okay to fail and, and try again. I think in in most situations, right? Yeah, not yeah. true with Chernobyl though. You cannot, Ooh, yeah, you I don't fail. know if I would, you know. Don't, <laughs> don't don't try again on that one. Right? Don't try yeah. again. And then those three diver guys, yeah, you guys better not fail. We yeah. need you to survive, or maybe not survive, but keep us from dying. Hmm. Uh, well, any other uh, coffee thoughts, both um, in the, in the mind or just uh, things that you've been uh, experiencing lately in regards to coffee? Mm, not too much. I think that about covers it for me. Okay, cool, cool. So, 
this next uh, part of our pod is our uh, Chernobyl discussion. And uh, like Dill said at the top of the show, we are uh, covering Chernobyl, which is the critically acclaimed HBO miniseries. Uh, came out in uh, 2019. And um, as usual, I was a little inaccurate about the show's awards. So I did a little, oh, no. <laughs> did a little more in-depth research, quote-unquote. Um, this show was actually already awarded a primetime Emmy award for Outstanding Limited Series in 2019. And then again, they received, for the same category, a Golden Globe Award. So, um, yeah, they're not even competing this year. <laughs> so, uh, oh, that, that would make sense. Yeah, they competed <laughs> last year. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's a good show, you know. That, that's, <laughs> that's all you got to know. Yes. Uh, but we are picking up uh, in episode two with uh, the beginning of the episode kind of starts with uh, Yulana and her comrade. I think his name might have been Dimitri uh, in Minsk. I can't remember his name. Uh, Dill's like kind of giving me the mm, sounds yeah. good face. That sounds sounds Russian. <laughs> sounds legit. Uh, Dimitri, Vlad, you know. Yeah, whatever. yes, sir. Uh, Legosev, you know. Um, <laughs> so they're they're in Minsk at this. Um, I guess at at their uh, kind of nuclear uh, institute, mm. and it's seven hours after the explosion, and they're noticing that their alarm is going off because it's detecting radioactive materials in the air. When uh, I think one of them opens up the window. And then they, you know, do some investigation. Like uh, she, Lana takes some of the debris on the window. Like she's just like super smart. Like she knows exactly what Mm -hmm. to do. And uh, she looks at this under a microscope or their little spectrometer thing. And it's basically like, yeah, it's, it's radioactive. It's a radioactive material. It's like this chemical. I think it was like uranium or something. And um, she identifies it. uh, She identifies Chernobyl as the place that this is coming from from just with some of that information and then making a phone call and she finds that the lines are down in chernobyl so she's just like like i said super smart um and 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 at at that at that little at at those pieces of information she's like okay i gotta head to chernobyl because i know there's there's something wrong and and uh, i'm the one to kind of help the case so um she heads to chernobyl and then um in um pripyat pripyat Pripyat, uh, Priyapat, uh, they have yeah, a board yeah, meeting. Yeah. I'm going to just stop. They have a board meeting with uh, <laughs> Gorbachev and uh, Legosev is there. And he basically explains to them like how dangerous this explosion was and like how much radiation is being emitted through this um, destroyed core. And um, I thought like his explanation of um, the RBMK reactor and mm. what you know what the what what new what what a like a fission kind of um reaction is like i thought all that stuff was like super super interesting um mm. but he basically lays that down and gorbachev's like okay i gotcha like why don't you and um Shrebina go to chernobyl and um like tell me what's really happening which I think is so funny because like they've already done that before like mm-hmm. it's like yeah we we went and did that and said it was really bad. So like, let's do something about it. And then now they're just bringing in higher up people like higher, higher, higher (laughs) to just tell them the the same same thing. (laughs) Like go look at it physically and tell me, (laughs) which is literally what the other people did. Right. (laughs) It's like ridiculous. Uh, but just continuing on with the summary, uh, they fly in the helicopter 
And um, like Sherbina is like, you know, just like being uh, like super, I guess, like hardcore badass guys. Like, yeah, let's just fly over it. Let's just look at it from above. <laughs> and like Joseph is like, yeah, you don't want to do that, man. You're going to die immediately or die like in a couple weeks. And they end up not doing that. And he persuades um, Trebina to give the okay to drop uh, sand and boron to mm-hmm. uh, on top of the burning core to stop it from spreading the radioactive particles. Um, so they go ahead and do that. And in the meantime, we kind of get some scenes in the hospital uh, with uh, all the um, the burn victims and and the rescue units who went out. Uh, they're all. Um, uh, suffering from some kind of radio- radioactive poisoning, and uh, it's it's just crazy seeing it, being in that scene and and seeing how you know they're taking off the clothes and they're dumping the clothes downstairs, and they look at their hands and it's like oh there's something weird going on with with uh, with the way that this um, these uh, these things exposed to the to the to the radiation is like is actually still there is contaminating my body uh, our bodies so that was happening there. It's just like, it's just like pure mayhem. Like kids are crying. Like, um, everyone's like in pain. And then, and then kind of towards the end of the episode, we get back to, um, the board meeting again. And this time, um, uh, Ulana is there and she basically talks about the danger that the new danger that's, uh, posed by, um, this lava that will form. And then the lava forms, from the borax and sand and uh, the boron <laughs> sand and uh, not borax. That's like cleaning material. And, uh, and then that lava is going to drop into this water underneath the um, reactor. That's going to lead to like some super explosion. Um, also something else that happens is um, general Pikalov, which is uh, this guy back at Chernobyl. He, you know, to, to um, basically get a more accurate reading gets in a lead shielded truck and drives up close to get a reading. And it turns out that the, um, the Röntgen reading is not just, uh, what 3.5, it's like 15,000. Um, Mm -hmm. so then going back to the board meeting and finding out that, yeah, we're going to have to actually release the water from underneath the reactor to prevent this, like, um, this explosion, this, uh, steam explosion from happening. Um, so the episode ends with basically, uh, we, we find out these three divers are going to basically risk their lives to go underneath the, the plant and, uh, drain the water. And, um, and like, it's, it's, it's a harrowing scene. Like, it's like, uh, it feels like a scene out of alien or something. Like it's mm-hmm. all dark and the seminar starts to go crazy. It's like beeping and like ticking so loud that it kind of becomes just like deafening and then the flashlights like cease to work. So that was in probably way too much time, uh, <laughs> kind of a summary of the episode. Uh, but Dill, man, what did you think? Uh, you were kind of piping in at the beginning of, on some of the, mm-hmm. the stuff, man. What'd you think about this episode? Um, uh, please remain calm. Yeah. Um, they did not remain calm, but, uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed this episode a lot. I would say, like episode one, it, it served the purpose that it had to serve, and that you know, setting the scene, introducing mm-hmm. characters, just letting us know where we're at. And I feel like in this one, we finally get some progression, like things happening in the story, characters making decisions. You yeah. know, like 
the the story is, is progressing basically and I, yeah, I would say this one, okay, they, they kind of got me like hooked, I think, in some mm. ways. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in. Like, I think there's, there's some deeper things in terms of just how, um, how the government officials view things, how they want to mm-hmm. make decisions, and just like the individual characters, like as they fall deeper and deeper into this um, cover up, basically, yeah. I think is an accurate way to describe it. And just, um, yeah, when the characters are faced with different decisions, you know, like Le- Legislav, when he first goes um, to Chernobyl and the place, like he he doesn't want to go. Like I think when Gorbachev says like, "Oh, you gotta go check it out," he he seems very hesitant because I mm. think he's afraid he'll probably die, you know, or mm. something. Um, but then after he they actually get there, you know, they don't fly over the core, but yeah. then he is in the hotel. He's at the bar. Right, he's just like ordering yeah. a drink because you know, been a long day. He, yeah, he, everybody about to die. Like he needs a drink. Right, but they don't know. Those the other people, people ask don't know him. that. Yeah, yeah, the, the people don't know. Yeah, and then and then the people at the bar ask him, they're like, "Oh, you're from Moscow, aren't you? You know, like, is there anything we should be worried about?" And like that's just one of those pivotal moments where he can tell the truth or not. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I thought to be honest, I thought he would tell the truth. Really, it seems to be like his his character up to this point seems to kind of be like try and care for the people, you know, right. trying to bring out the truth. Like this is a situation and we need to handle it, not cover it up. Right. Um, but you know, he doesn't, he's like, no, everything's fine. And yeah, I think that's like a, a, a decision point for him that just yeah. kind of keeps going more and more. Right. right. So, yeah. So I, I think those things happen in this episode. So I yeah. kind of enjoyed it. He didn't even say, no, it's fine. He just said, no. Like, yeah. I think they ask him and he's just like, no, no. And like, takes his <laughs> drink and you could tell like, he was trying not to say more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this might, you know, be the start where it leads down to to where we see him in the first scene of mm-hmm. episode one, mm-hmm. where he's like, uh, you know, when he ends up hanging himself and he just can't live with it anymore. Right. But he just kind of goes down this path where he is just like the government officials, you know? Right. Yeah. I think it's important to remember, like, this is like, these are real events and, mm-hmm. um, like that there was a real regime there that was like, um, you know, like, I, you know, it's not just, I guess it being the Soviet Union, but like in, in any kind of like, um, situation where it's a hierarchy and you're trying not to like, you know, um, cause mayhem or like go against orders, like there, you feel that pressure. And I think mm-hmm. when he accepted that job from Gorbachev to go in and he gave him a report of what's going on, he could no longer be like a bystander. Like mm. he was a part of this. Um, this group that was trying to maintain order and trying to keep everyone calm. And like, he couldn't just be the guy who was like in the background, like yelling, like, you know, like these are the facts, like this is the truth. Like when he dawned Mm -hmm. on that, like that, that role to be like, you know, to be political, like then he had to like, you know, not be, I guess, so truthful, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think other layers get introduced and it's interesting because I, I while you're saying that I was like oh that's why I, I think I like that they introduced Ulana you know she is kind of on the other side where she just doesn't give in to whoever mm-hmm. the government official is quote-unquote you know like when she she just figures it all out because she's smart like she's brilliant you know yeah 
Um, she's like, wait, something's going on. This ain't right. You know, she just pieces it all together mm-hmm. and tries to approach, you know, that I don't even know who he is, but it's just some like low ranking uh, government official, I guess. Oh, yeah. You know? Garibin, um, I think. Is- yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, nah, you know, there's nothing wrong at Chernobyl. Basically, just like stay in your lane. Right. Like right. scientists are no use to us kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then she has that great line where she's like, I'm a nuclear physicist. And before you were the deputy secretary, you worked in a shoe factory. Oh, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. snap. Girl got attitude, you know, <laughs> he knows what um, she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And like she, she understands the science. She understands like him, mm-hmm. just like where he's coming from all that. I was surprised. I was like, I, I don't know what my government officials were doing before they were in office, you know? Right. 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 Um, but yeah, I, I like they introduced her because I feel like she's the one that's kind of um, speaking against whatever the regime is. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Legoslav seems to be giving into it. Right. But then, yeah, like I said, I was going to mm. say that, but then, um, but then I realized she too is sort of giving in in that like, at that second meeting when she is present with Gorbachev, mm-hmm. like they know the plan. She knows the plan because they end up requesting, like we basically are asking for permission to kill three men. Yeah. And she's there. Like she helped make that plan. Um, but it's interesting. I feel like in, in when they show her, she's not really part of that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that's purposeful and trying to like separate her, you know, both the Legislav and, and Ulana are these smart scientists, but it seems like Legoslav is doing the shady decision-making. Hmm. And then she's not portrayed as being part of that, but she really is, though, if you think about it. Hmm. So I don't know. It's complicated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah she's the only woman at that table, you yeah. know, um, at the table of, like, all men. And, uh, yeah, Legoslav is the guy who kind of stands up and he's... It's interesting how they say, you know we're asking for permission to kill three men. That language is like interesting as opposed to like, uh, you know, we're asking for three men to sacrifice themselves for mm. you know this mission per se. It's like very direct, you know, recognizing like yeah. how dangerous and like how unprecedented this is. Like mm. we're not going to war. Like we are not, um, we're not like, you know, sending these people into battle like this isn't this isn't like a medical experiment. Like this is like something we've never had to do before. Like never that's never been done before. Like we're using three men and their lives to save our country from this nuclear mm-hmm. kind of a doom thing. Yeah. 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 And I, I think, you know, you mentioned that Ulan is the only only female there. Uh I don't know if you watch the like the behind the scenes or the like extra at the end of the episode or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, the director or the writer, they, they talk about her as a character cause she, uh, she is a fictional character. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So she's not real. Like they, she didn't exist in history, mm-hmm. but she was written to represent like the hundreds of scientists. Yeah. That basically were doing what she was doing in the show. Basically saying yeah. like they together collectively like figured it out. Something is that, wrong. They're trying to speak the truth. That's amazing. They, to me. Yeah, that is like yeah. However, Not like that you all get came about. People to like just agree on something. Yeah, so that's that's pretty amazing. Um, 
And she obviously for for dramatic um, effects and for the show, like they want that to be one person. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting, you know, they chose that she's gonna be a woman. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if they just did that because you know what, 2019, you know, try and get some gender diversity in there, or <laughs> if it even adds to the fact that like cause we talked a bit in episode one, mm-hmm. you know, this seems to like patriarchal society in some yeah, ways, right? Um, and so like as a scientist and a woman, it's like double, like we are not going to listen to you. Yeah, like, I don't know if that crossed their minds, but yeah, it's just interesting. She's the only woman there. Um, she does stand up and talk. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like unexpected for them, but mm. yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I really like that, that creative choice that the show took on as well as like, um, showing the power of women's voices in the show too. Mm-hmm. Um, even just, um, you know, focusing on that, like in the hospital too, like how the nurses yeah. seem to be the ones who are like, you know, they're the ones in control. They're the ones that are like keeping their, their, they're um keeping keeping everyone calm just like you know um just being brave and like you know um helping these people um and like doing the dirty work so to speak mm. you know of like hauling the the stuff up and down to the underground uh, area to like drop off the, the um the contaminated clothes and um also like the lo- the connection that Ulana had with the receptionist where she gave her the eye oh, yeah. I was like wow it's like it's like um, that, that was nice I, I i like that i mean they don't really explain how they finally get this like secret language but i thought it was a funny scene I, oh yeah that too it. yeah 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 i thought that was like that was really interesting um but yeah it's like when when you just take someone at their word and not mm-hmm. look at who they are whether gender uh and, and going beyond this uh show but like, you know, ethnicity, race, perceived sexual orientation, like when you don't consider all those things and take them at their word, um, you're going to not die. <laughs> you're you're going to not mm-hmm. like get killed by, uh, by uranium. Um, but when you are, when you are so trapped by, uh, the patriarchy, so trapped by like, mm-hmm. uh, bureaucracy, uh, you're willing to uphold that over these, uh, prejudices you have there are going to be some consequences. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, as we know, um, they avoid some of those dire consequences. But it's because of people like uh, Ulana and people like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure the three that are going to go go and save, um, you know, all these people by going out going on and diving. Um, another person I thought was like really inspiring was um, the general uh Pikalov? No, not is it Pikalov? Yeah. Yeah, when he was like when um Legasov was like, Yeah, basically we can't guarantee that you'll be the person will be good just with the, mm-hmm. the bodysuit and the um lead um lead shielding. Like you might you you might still be affected by it. And he's like he's like, I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dang, it's like that's that's hardcore, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, much respect to this this general or whatever rank he was. Because mm-hmm. he, he, unlike the government officials, they're just like, keep sending the firefighters, whatever, just like send the people in, you know? Yeah. Like, we, we're not going to go in. We're going to sit in our, like, safe bunker. But, you know, we, we send some more help. Uh, but this guy, you know, he these are his men, right? And mm-hmm. so he's like, I will sacrifice myself 
or put myself in, in harm's way instead of them, which yeah. I think was a nice little contrast um, to, to the government people. Right, right. I think it like it, it's a nice contrast to that, like you say, because it's like even though they're in this kind of um, like whatever I say goes kind of like culture, there are still people like individuals who are showing like their greatness and like their bravery in spite of like the way that, you know, these high ranking people want things to go. Like these people are still willing to put their lives on the line to be able mm-hmm. to, um, you know, save other people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I wanted to talk about a little bit of what was it, Sherbina as well. Mm-hmm. Like this, the government official that Legislav goes um, to Priyapet with. Um, yeah. Cause I, I think he kind of, to me, like develops as a character a little mm. bit, even just within this one episode. Yeah, do tell. Like, do initially, tell. Uh, yeah, I think he's just the stereotypical bureaucrat in the beginning. Like that first, um, like committee meeting with with Gorbachev. Like all the people, Sherbina included, are trying to like cover it up, even from Gorbachev himself. I was, I was really confused by that. That they're basically just trying to downplay yeah. issues. Like, ah, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. And then Legislav is the one bringing the truth. And he, you know, Sherbina just seems to be like a career politician. He's just like, nah, you know, don't worry about it. Like, yeah. we're going to follow the will of the state. Like, we're all good. You know, I think he starts the episode that way. But he eventually, I feel like, comes to see reason. Like, once they actually make it to the town, they're talking to, like, the head engineer and whatever that mm-hmm. we already were introdu- introduced to in episode one. And then Sherbina really defers to Legislav a lot. Mm. And he starts listening and, like, kind of starts trying to solve the problem. Right, As opposed right. to just saying, this problem is not possible. Hmm. You know? Because he kind of turns it around on, the like, the head engineer. Or, like, first... Right. Um, well, he he got the, the info guy. from yeah. Legislav, Legislav, right on the on the on the yeah. helicopter. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He does get that, and like that kind of leads you to think like, oh, is he going to really gonna listen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he ends up kind of listening to Legislav, um, mm-hmm. and they kind of follow his plan for the boron, the sand, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like he kind of becomes a guy that seems good at ish. You know, as yeah. good as they can be um, <laughs> at this point in the ep- in the series. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know if it like really hits him or something because I think in the hotel room, Legislav lets it slip that like they'll probably all die in like five years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot if he's talking about the people or talking about them or like basically he's just like this radiation has pretty immediate and dire consequences. Yeah. And I feel like his demeanor changes after that. Like Sherbina kind of, I think, starts seeing um, the cost in some ways. Hmm. So, yeah, so I feel like he kind of goes from the beginning, like he's just this pure government bureaucrat, to actually now trying to solve the problem at hand, mm-hmm. in my opinion, at least. I feel like he, he, he made some changes there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're still going about it in a pretty shady way. Um, yeah. Not great, but he at least isn't trying to just ignore it. Why do you think he made that change? You think it was just when he realized the, um, just the, the, the just severity of everything going on and like how fatal, uh, this, um, this problem is. Yeah, that's a good question. Like I, I would like to think 
he realized like their their willful ignorance wasn't good enough you know i mm. think because he he talks to the engineer and then like the other i don't even know the roles committee member or whatever um the kind of goofy looking dude and um he's just like explain to me why this is the case you know Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they don't have an answer for him, mm-hmm. and then he you know he pulls out some of the knowledge that Legislav shared with him, and he's like, "This is how the reactor works. Graphite is on the ground. That means the core is exposed, or whatever you know." He like mm-hmm. says that kind of stuff, and they don't have an answer. And I feel like he's starting to realize they can't just ignore it. Like there is a problem, mm-hmm. I think. And so my my thought is like he starts realizing it, plus the the fact that Legoslav starts telling him the yeah. consequences of radiation exposure. Like, right. This is not good, you know? Yeah. I wonder, too, if it's like he feel like he needed some knowledge of what was going on, like mm. to be able to prove it to other people that he knew what was going on, like as kind of mm. like a political move. Like if he couldn't explain it himself to other people, he wouldn't want someone else getting credit for like – knowing what would happen or what's happening. Mm -hmm. Like he wants to be able to be the person who says like, we're doing this because like, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just appreciate where he kind of came where at first I was just going to write him off. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Ah, this guy sucks. Um, But now, yeah, he's actually trying to some extent. So I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other things that stand out to you in this episode? Um, I just think it's uh, it's really interesting. It's really cool seeing, like I said, um, these individuals stepping up and like doing this for their country and doing this for their people, um, irregardless of like, um, you know, like them being told to do these things and like it being kind mm. of a top down kind of thing that they still have, you know, this, this like, I don't know, this internal feeling of like sacrifice or this internal feeling of like indebtedness to each other, I think mm. is something like very, very admirable. Yeah. At the same time though, like they don't have the full truth. Right. Mm. And so I really respect, you know, that they have this kind of national identity or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, you know, these are the three men that they're asked, like the, the Legislav is asking to kill mm-hmm. and they don't have that information, the three men themselves. And so it's kind of like two sides of the coin where this is, you can see it in like this patriotic way or the self sacrificial way, which yeah. is true. But then there's other side, like Legislav and the rest of the government, they're pretty messed up right. and they're just deciding to not tell them. They're like lying straight to their face, mm. in, in my opinion. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll pay you 400 rubles, like whatever, uh, when they really know that they're not going to make it. Right. Mm. So it's this is very complicated. Um, yeah. Wow. It's like uh, that, that saying of like, give give me liberty or give me death, but it's like, give me truth or give me death. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah, you're right. They didn't tell the, the divers that they were going to die, right? Yeah, like they, one of them kind of posed the question like, oh man, it's going to be very irradiated, irradiated in there, mm-hmm. but they never really gave them the full truth and they're like, they're going to die within a week is what Legislav said. Right. 
And then based on like the cliffhanger kind of at the end of the episode is I, I think they just died in the factory is, is how I interpreted that mm. last scene. Like, cause you know, the, the cimeters are clicking. Yeah. The yeah. lights go out. It just keeps clicking louder, louder, louder. And then just go silent. Mm. Um, so like, there's no way they made it out is my opinion, but yeah. I mean, maybe we'll see in the next episode, but yeah. Um, yeah. Tough situation. It still feels bad. Yeah. This is existential dread. That's going to be your crisis. It's going to be your episode title for all these uh, Chernobyl episodes. <laughs> feels bad one, feels <laughs> bad, bad two. Yeah. <laughs> Still feels bad. <laughs> yeah, feels even worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, and then one, one other thing I want to point out, like, again, just throwing shade at the government, but they they evacuate uh, Pripyat or whatever, um, the town. Mm-hmm. But they only evacuate it after the rest of the world realizes that something's wrong. Mm. Like, they're like, oh, you know, Germany is starting to get right. you know, the, the readings in their air. Yep. Or um, America took pictures, like satellite pictures or something like that. And then, like, the word is out. Something has happened. Yeah. Um, and this is not good. And then they, then they finally evacuate, you know. Mm-hmm. And You're so, right. Uh, I'm just like, oh, man. And and uh, I I don't I think Gorbachev says it in their second meeting or something. Uh, the line I, I wrote down is like, "Our power comes from the perception of our power." Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think that's just like all that the government cares about. Right. It's just maintaining stability, and like even if it's false. Like the false sense of their strength, mm. um, and so it's just very, very complicated, and yeah, that's really yeah. sad, man. It's at, at the Feels expense bad. of their people. Yeah, man. their own people, which mm-hmm. you know, there's like ah, and I thought it was funny too. Like they they have a clip of the Russian news, um, mm-hmm. like when they're announcing it, and and the lady, the news anchor, is literally just like lines of facts. You know, it's like very little emotion in her delivery. Mm-hmm. She's like, something has happened at Chernobyl. Yeah, uh, yeah. They are evacuating the city. You know, it's just like, I, I didn't, it, it's just like a funny little thing to me in that like, I don't, whether she's just like reading what the government gave her or like whatever, I don't know. It's just, there wasn't a lot of like human emotion in there. Right. And maybe not all the facts like either. Reading it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like statements that don't give the full picture. But like somewhat acknowledge that something's happened, mm-hmm. but not like fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be exploring more of those themes, I'm sure, in these next three episodes of uh, Chernobyl, the miniseries. Um, mm-hmm. Can't wait to talk about it. It's going to be so fun, so exciting, <laughs> so uplifting. Um, yes. But I'm definitely looking forward to it, man. It's going to be really, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting indeed. I think continue to feel lots of stress and anxiety for the people. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's just so weird. Like last thing, just that all that comes from like things that aren't said, in my opinion. Hmm. It's like the silence, the lack of music, you know, the things they don't fully say. Like Even when Legoslav's like, we want your permission to kill people. Gorbachev's like every oh, victory comes at a cost. Yes, you know he he, he never directly I that was cowardly. It. Like yeah. he, he wouldn't he wouldn't give an okay. He wanted to still kind of put the pressure on on mm-hmm. his shoulders to make that decision. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like these things are like, ah, come on, like all this frustration and like even fear, whatever anxiety, it just comes from things that aren't really said. And like, I think for me, I recognize their storytelling ability Mm -hmm. and that like the power of the show to me comes through what is unsaid, what is unseen and just like the silence and people not acknowledging things. Yeah. Which at the same time for me, I realize is like, that's also how radiation affects people like physically. Like you don't see it, but it comes in and wrecks you. Dang. And it's like the show, you don't see everything, but you still feel it. Okay. I'm just like, oh, wow. Irradiating me through their storytelling. Dang. Wow. And like the immediate impact we see on the characters in the shows, they just become super mm-hmm. quiet. Like they don't yeah. say anything. They just kind of like, it just seemed to like, yeah, it be in like pain, but mm-hmm. it's it's a creep. It's a creeping kind of like, yeah, a slow death. Yeah, it's not just like you get stabbed or like some explosion happens, but you don't see it. You don't know. It's just like that cloud coming over to the town. Like they mm-hmm. they don't know. They just out here trying to admire it from the bridge, thinking it looks beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So that's why, yeah, I think this episode hooked me. I'm in. Uh, and we'll, we'll see what the future episodes bring. Yep. Sounds good, man. Yep, yep. All right. Uh, we're going to end, hopefully, on a higher note Yay! than that. <laughs> With our normal <laughs> segment. Um, yeah, we, you know, asking us what's making us happy this week. You know, not what's making us feel bad this week. Mm. But, um, but yeah, Joe, what's making you happy this week? I'm happy because uh, I've been watching the Great British Baking Show. I don't know if Ooh, you watched yes. that. Yeah, but yeah, great show. Mm-hmm. It, that show makes me happy. It's a uh, it's a nice little change up from Chernobyl, um, and it's cool. It's 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 interesting how like a soothing it is a little bit. Like mm. watching them work on the cakes. Like even though they're kind of stressed out, you're watching it. And you're like, oh man, it looks really nice. Like, oh, that's, that's <laughs> nice, nice little detail they put. Oh, but the taste really good. I wish I had some. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, I like the um, the host of the show too. They're they're kind of like mm-hmm. just cheesy. So and like yeah. the jokes they make sometimes don't make sense. Like I think from a American humor standpoint, like some of the things yeah. they make, jokes they make, I'm like, is that really what he meant? If so, that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> but also like, did he just say like that cake look like look like a doo doo or something? <laughs> um but yeah i just uh that's that show has been making me happy that's been giving me life this week nice nice yeah what about yourself Um, man yeah i guess i'll I'll take a cue from you because i've also been watching another show Uh uh, re-watching i've just been uh, re-watching parks and rec oh uh, recently you know um and it's just like it's just one of those shows it, one it's like one of my favorite shows if i haven't mentioned that on the on the podcast but it's just so easy to watch oh uh, yeah know? like the episodes just go by like it just makes you feel happy it's funny like i i like the office a lot too i like both of them but mm-hmm. like i think parson wreck it has that dry deadpan humor without yeah. the cringe you know <laughs> so, is, that, is that the pitch like, for the, the show like to, to me yeah like people <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people tell me you know the office is hard to watch for some people just because it's cringy i do like mm. that a lot though about it like that's it's charm yeah the parks and rec i think has some wider appeal and that mm. like it's still similar but not 
no, no Michael Scott. But um, yeah, the cringiest thing about it is probably Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've just been watching that recently too. You know, or maybe Jer- trying to balance out. Sorry. Yeah, Jerry. Oh, uh, Jerry. Oh, I said Gary. Hmm. Is isn't it in the later season like he reveals his real name is Gary? <laughs> Like oh spoilers whatever. Wait but, seriously? <laughs> like I I think so. like they call him Jerry uh-huh. for like four seasons or something, and they finally realize like on his first day the mayor just called him Jerry, but it was wrong, and he never corrected them. Oh, you're right. Which is like a total Jerry move. <laughs> like that's oh, very on gosh. point for him. He just he just becomes the butt of the joke all the time. Yeah. So his yeah. real name is Gary. His his real <laughs> name funny. is Gerald. And, oh, okay. Uh, and I guess he goes by Gary, but then they've called yeah. him Jerry <laughs> for his <laughs> for whole career. For the first five seasons, yeah. <laughs> like, until he oh, retires man. and then some. Oh, that's funny. Oh, anyways, yeah. So, Parks and Rec, you know, giving me life and mm. another rewatch. I don't know how many times I've seen the series, but, you know, just trying to balance out Chernobyl, maybe. Yes, sir. But. Yeah, it's it's good. Sometimes you just want to feel good, have some easy laughs, and just enjoy the show, mm-hmm. um, I think. So, yeah, that's making me happy, too. Nice, man. Well, cool, man. Uh, man, Chernobyl is, uh, man, it's, it's been intense. It's been an intense ride. Yeah. Um, it was fun talking to you about it. Um, can't wait to talk about it next week and catch up on each other's uh, coffee lives. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to us, uh, Pour Over Gang, and we'll catch y'all next week. This was the Pour Over Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at pourover underscore show to stay up to date with the Pour Over Gang. Our artwork is by Daniel Liu. Find him on Instagram at Here Comes Daniel. Music is by Joshua Yin. You can listen to his other tracks on soundcloud.com slash kidmajestic, one word. Thanks for joining us and take care. Bye bye. <laughs> Bye.